know Your ass better call somebody Research and development Putting in the man hours to study the science of what you need Last week we put liquid paper on a bee And it died Become best friends. Yep. Can I tell you something without you getting angry? I love you. Yeah, you big guy. Welcome back, in everybody, to another edition of the 4D Chess Dynasty Football Podcast. Thank you so much for hitting that play button. Coming to listen to Adam and I. I know we promised we'd have Ray G on for episode 50, which this is, but unfortunately, uh, Mother Nature said Ray was going to be sick this week. <laughs> so the poor guy got the flu, lost his voice. Hard to do a podcast when he can't talk. <laughs> so I feel for him, but we already have it locked in for next week. So as long as as long as long the illness bug, he, he doesn't have this uh, Lamar Jackson immune system that we're accustomed to will be perfectly fine the goat will be on here and we will talk about quarterbacks just like we promised but without further ado you're gonna have to deal with just me and adam i know want 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 sad trombone adam how you doing tonight buddy i'm doing well man obviously we would have loved to have ray on but we are looking forward to next week with ray um hopefully he gets well flu sucks hopefully everybody else out there staying healthy as well all you dynasty degenerates out there. But for now, Mike, me and you, the steady eddies of the 4D Chess Dynasty Football Podcast, are going to bring you something good. Oh, oh, for sure, man. You know I'm back. You you held down the fort last week with Jay Rich. You guys did phenomenal. I love listening to that episode, uh, you know, about 2 a.m. while I'm at work. Because <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't, couldn't record working nights all last week. But here I am back. Adam, I needed to ask you, man. Did you have a good Christmas? Did you have a good Christmas? I mean, my Christmas hasn't happened yet, but uh, yeah, I oh, got, I'm always having oh, a contraire. Good Christmas. Oh, contraire. Christmas has happened, Adam. This okay. past Tuesday, when we officially knew when all of our draft picks were going to be on all our tanking teams, wasn't that Christmas, man? You got to see the draft order. You got to see the 101 next to your name. Didn't that feel good? That's true. I got uh, one of the things on my Christmas list quite often, and... Um, on all these rebuilds, which I'm going to be, you know, for some people are going to say donating. Um, I'm donating for a cause, and the cause is still me. And the cause is the 101. And, Mike, there was some leagues I got the 101 in. Um, probably going to be Bijan in a lot of people's minds, and that right now is the case. But we'll, we will see ultimately what the pick becomes. But just because I have that 101 doesn't mean I've been pressing the button on whoever that is. It was nice to unwrap those gifts, man. I went through a, a ton of leagues that I commish. You're in a lot of them. Uh, put in the uh, the non-playoff team draft order, right? One through six. We already know who they are. Uh, not only did you get to see yours, but all those trades that you made, you know, a few months ago, maybe a year ago, you know, forecasting a couple of years out, getting those 23 picks back in 2020, 2021. Now you get to see those uh, those teams first that you own, too. Like, there's a handful of leagues where I'm in where I'm going like, oh, man, I almost forgot that I get the 103 as well as the 101 because I got, you know, Joe Blow's pick over here. How did I get that? And you dig back through the trades, you go, man, I made this like seven months ago. <laughs> Betty regrets that now, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I had plenty of those as well, but let's, 
let's admit I also helped wrap some presents um, this year. There was a couple failed contenders I had, which I don't have my own first. And watching the picks unveiled, where that's a top, you know, four pick, you're like, well, that's not uh, that's antithetical to my rebuild here. But I'm not going to get bent over for that pick either. So I gave you a Christmas present, man. Man, it was it was good. It was a Christmas present. It was a giving season. Uh, I definitely received a lot more gifts than I gave out. Thankfully, <laughs> so it's a good side to be on, right? I don't want to be giving out too many uh, too no, many top no. tier picks. Oh, so let's think about it, man. This this really feels like for the the dynasty degenerates, as you say, right? We the season is is such a sprint. The timeline is such a sprint. We're in the playoffs. People are in round one. They got to, you know, fight their ass off now for three weeks in a row just to win some money. Uh, some of us only have to fight two weeks. <laughs> we get enough number one seeds. We get a buy. We get to watch everybody else struggle in round one and hopefully dodge the injury bug for us going into round two. But it really does feel like for the majority of people, Dynasty actually kind of begins now. Like this is the week where it begins because for so long it's just a, it's just a quick sprint. You have points being put up. But it, it has that, that redraft field. This really feels like dynasty season, although we're about to head into where actual football is not being played. We're, we're not going to be doing anything but watching NFL playoff games and, you know, just kind of bullshitting about the Super Bowl. But like it feels like our process really starts now. Now, for people like Ray, who we're going to have on, and people who are really into the space, you know, they've been watching college football and doing prospect scouting, and they have in their minds where these guys are, are going to go, what the potential draft capital is, what their potential in the NFL is going to be. But for a majority of us, we've been preoccupied with setting lineups, making trades, <laughs> trying to build rosters. But now we really have to hunker down and focus for about the next four to five months on what we want to do with these incoming rookies, because this is how you build a championship team, right? You're able to leverage the draft capital you have into other things, maybe vets. We kind of talked about that before. But one of the easiest ways is just making the right rookie draft selections, right? Hitting that home run out of the park by taking a Josh Allen or the next Patrick Mahomes or Jonathan Taylor, finding Justin Jefferson at the 111, which in case a lot of you forgot, that happened quite a bit, (laughs) quite a bit. The, the, The dynasty wide receiver one for the foreseeable future was a late first-round pick. (laughs) Was a late first-round pick. So I don't know, Adam. It just feels like an exciting time, especially for me, where you just kind of have this transition. Now I still have, you know, about half my teams in the playoffs. I still have something to play for. But for the other half, I'm definitely starting to shift some of my focus to these rookies and getting excited for what's about to come. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, you hit it on the head. Well, I think, you know, Mike, especially in best ball, right, um, we've played a lot of these best ball leagues and you think about the regular season, obviously, you know, I, I know I have a team that's, that's crazy good in a best ball league, right? That's locked up the one seed, right? And, and you have other teams that are really good and have locked up the one seed. We have other teams that have just made a buy, but here's the thing, right? Outside of getting the buy. Now that is huge. Let me not underestimate or understate how important the buy is. Cause you have one week where you don't have to worry about anyone on your team, not showing up you don't have to worry about some turd on the other roster being the reason you lose a week but really Mike when you look up at the regular season in best ball like all you're really needing to do is get into the dance right you're just looking to be a part of the tournament and 
obviously you want to stack your team and you want to roster construct your team, whether that's lineup or best ball for the playoffs. But once you're there, that's everything happens there, right? Like all the stuff that happened in the regular season. Now it may have handicapped your team. You may be hampered going into this tournament, but it all starts now. The whole thing is now there will be six seeds that win. There will be six seeds that had unlucky shit happen during the regular season. You know, you had injuries, you had crazy points against whatever it is. But now that you're in the fantasy playoffs, like this is where it's all made. This is where the money is earned. You know, you may, you may have had a payout for points for or whatever. And then you have the teams that don't make the playoffs, Mike. They're already thinking they have basically three weeks early if you're still able to trade. How do I get my team ready for the future? Because guess what? After three weeks when the fantasy football championship's over and there's a winner decided and a second place decided, and third place, you shouldn't be paying it out. But if you do, a third place decided, right? Get them. <laughs> Every, everybody has to go think about the future, and the future is really close. Um, so to your point, man, like for us, Dynasty has no clock, right? The clock is constant. It's 24-7. It's Vegas, you know? Dynasty never sleeps. But to your point, man, this right now is a crucial, crucial time. It really feels like, especially with these top six selections, at least in my mind, I don't know if you did this too, but when I kind of looked at it and I'm going like, I got the 101, I got the 103, I have the 105 and six. I'm going in my mind, like just hypothetically already. I mean, we're five months away for Christ's sakes. We're five months away. I'm already going like, all right, the 101, I can take Bijan. At the 103, I'll probably get Bryce Young. At the 105, I'm going to take this guy. 106, I'll take this guy. What's it look like if I add these to the squad right now? Is this something that I could be excited for for next year? So I've already kind of gone through these mental exercises. But one thing I wanted to do tonight, Adam, uh, besides talking about this, is you and I will both come out with our own ranks. Uh, we'll have them on our Patreon. We'll keep those updated. It's going to ever evolve. We're going to be doing a ton of mock drafts with our patrons every Tuesday night. We'll just be banging these out left and right. Uh, we'll be so sick of mock drafts. <laughs> By the time the actual draft comes, it'll be a godsend when we actually have a, a real draft to do. But I take so much of my information a lot from from really smart people in the industry, and one of them being the guy who founded this, Destination Debbie, Ray GQ, the man, the myth, the legend. Uh, he's not really a myth. He's a real human, so I don't know why we call him the myth, but... He does such a great job, but the thing is, I always like to see where my process is. Like the guys that I'm really interested in heading into 2023 rookie drafts versus the way Ray evaluates them, right? I, I always like to see where I'm at pre Ray and post Ray. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. Ray will put a lot of influence on me. It's not pressure, but he speaks hard facts. So I always kind of like to see how, how much we align in our thought process because he studies it extremely hard and he's extremely good at what he does but tonight adam i just kind of wanted to get it a an early list a way 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 too early now that we kind of know of some declares of some guys that we're interested in um and we'll be paying special attention to so if you want to call it like the uh the way too early ranks of positions for 2023 rookies that's what we're gonna do tonight we're gonna we're gonna throw some names out we're gonna talk about them and discuss them and then uh, just kind of come up with a list, a consensus list. Maybe uh, maybe we have some disagreements, maybe we don't. But let's start at the quarterback position, man. And I'll kick it to you first because uh, your favorite college team has a guy in the 2023 rookie class. Yep. Where do you have C.J. Stroud right now? Like, if 
you don't have to feel any pressure, man. These are definitely going to change. <laughs> These sure. are definitely going to change. I sure. looked at my uh, my rookie uh, incoming rookie ranks for 2022. Yeah, I put it on Twitter last year about January, beginning of January, and holy shit, my top five list for each position drastically changed by the time we got to draft time. But sure, right now, right now, where do you got CJ Stroud at? So CJ Stroud for me is currently the um, first quarterback in in how I would rank them. Um, I think that he's the one that, um, like when I look at him and Bryce Young, right? The the frame of Bryce Young concerns me. Obviously that doesn't mean I won't draft him, but when I'm splitting hairs between the two here, I think I would take CJ Stroud ahead of Bryce Young. I I think for me, the, the person that could become the one quarterback that usurps both would be Anthony Richardson, but this ultimately would be depending on where he's getting drafted, what the NFL says about him. Cause I like, the the problem with Anthony Richardson and the upside of Anthony Richardson is it, it's very drastic. Uh, Jay, Jay Rich and I kind of talked about this, but like to discuss at length, like the tools, the physical traits that Anthony Richardson possesses. I mean, a guy that big, that strong, that can run that fast. Like he, he has a lot of this Cam Newton-ish vibes as far as his body and also probably has more long speed than Cam Newton does. So like there's a lot of physical traits about him to like, but from what I was hyped up and excited for about this kid coming into the year and what I saw from him, ultimately his body worked this year as a passer. Um, that That's where the concern is. That being said, you know, even if he's not the greatest passer in the world, if he's going to get first round draft capital and a team is going to put him out there, the minute he plays on the field, even if he's not a good NFL quarterback, he has insane fantasy upside just from a rushing standpoint. So, He's going to be one that's very polarizing, I have a feeling, Mike, when it gets to this. Um, I would say Will Levis Levis would be my next one, but until the NFL shows me what he does, I I have him definitely further down. So I would have like C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young, one and two. I would have them in a tier. I'd have Anthony Richardson in the next tier. He would be one that has like crazy upside and down, depending on what the NFL does, and then I would have Will Levis behind him as a next tier. Damn. Damn. All right. All right. Uh, on CJ Stroud right now, I have him as, as my QB two in okay. my, in my opinion, I think he's QB two. I think as far as just pure quarterbacks go, he's definitely the most polished, the most refined. Uh, he does have some moments where he kind of has, you know, it's just like, what, what were you doing there? What, what were you thinking? Uh, no he does have, he does have some moments where it, the accuracy tends to wane a little bit too, but for the most part, I think he's he's exactly kind of what you want in an NFL quarterback. Um, I think his size is okay. Uh, I don't think it's anything special, but he also doesn't have the size concerns of Bryce Young, who very well may be tiny. <laughs> we may be talking about a guy who's only 5'10 and sub 200 pounds, which, I mean, yes, we've seen it work with some quarterbacks like Kyler, but Kyler's ridiculously fast. Uh, I don't know if he'll still be ridiculously fast RIP after that knee injury, but he was crazy, crazy fast. And Russ, who up until this year, just seemed to make it work, right? Just had a way of not getting hit, not taking shots, taking care of his body and being mobile. Bryce Young does have some concerns just because I have no idea how big this guy is. I have no idea how big it is. You see see him in pictures with Nick Saban. Nick Saban's also a, a small man, a very small man, and he, he looks about the same size as Bryce Young. That's <laughs> not very good. But – Bryce Young does have that uh, Houdini ability, that ability that Russell Wilson like extend plays, keep plays alive, make some magic throws. Uh, does have some crazy, crazy arm talent too that I really like. But CJ Stroud just feels safe. 
I don't know if that's the the right word, Adam. Safe. He he just feels safe. Like he feels like a very solid quarterback. I'm not in the business, especially at quarterbacks, of projecting upside. We seem to do this every year. You know, like Mac Jones doesn't have this ceiling, or Kenny Pickett doesn't have this ceiling. It just we 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 rinse and repeat, right? There was a time that Tua didn't have the ceiling of being a top twelve quarterback, and alas, although he played bad the last couple of games, just the way the quarterback market is, Adam. He's locked and loaded as a top 12 dynasty quarterback, period. Yep. yep. Well, and, you know, I, I think there's a lot of good points you made there. But when, when I think about this and, and Dynasty Degenerates, I think this is important to think about for how you rank and ultimately what you do when you draft. Right. So for me, I, like, I, I kind of agree in sentiment with a lot of what you said. But I think CJ Stroud for me projects, like, I, I know you said he's not the biggest or the most, like, like what I'm seeing from him, obviously we'll know at the combine what he weighs in and what his height is. But yeah. you're looking at a guy that's like six three, almost two twenty. Like, is he, is he Justin Herbert six six? No, okay, but you know six three and, and north, like that's that checks the that's height box size. for me. That's actually really good size. I didn't realize he was that big, Adam. Yeah, I, I honestly did not. He just he seems kind of slender, doesn't right. he? Right. Well, to me, I'm with this you. This is just watching him. Like I, I haven't never seen how, how how tall he is, or you know, I'm just judging off of what I see on you know Saturdays on the TV. He just doesn't. He doesn't. Man, if you told me six three two twenty, I would have never guessed that. Man, I'm thinking like, you know, like six two two hundred pounds, two hundred five yeah. maybe two twenty. Man, damn. And that's also let let me just say that's kind of what you read online now. <laughs> Who knows what he's going to weigh in Whether at, right? Whether that's true or not, yeah. If it's 215-ish or – but, like, you know, when I look it up online right now, currently I uh, just pulled it up right as I'm talking and we we're talking about it. He's 6'3", 218. Because I, I knew he wasn't small, but, I, you know, that's not I, – I don't want to make it out to be that he's this gigantic frame, but, like, that's a sturdy yeah. NFL quarterback. There's a lot of quarterbacks that check the boxes that you like. I feel very secure in both CJ and Bryce getting first round, probably top 10 draft capital. So that's why – one, I put them there. Two, I think there's a scenario where they both start very early. So when I think about all this in the process, right, like C.J. Stroud to me doesn't have the size concerns with Bryce Young, where on Bryce Young you're going to read six foot, 190, 194. Yeah, that's listed. And, that's and well, that. what happens there is, right, you're looking at what Jeez. Bama's listing him at, you know, and you're listing at six foot, okay, but do you actually – are you 5'11", are you 5'10"? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Are you are you truly 190? And like, I'm, maybe he is, but the point is, like, there is size concerns. So that's that's something that does separate for me. Um, because even with a guy like Tua, man, think about Tua, right? He doesn't have rushing upside. I think Bryce Young can offer a little more on the ground, but like Tua with his frame and his taking some of the shots he's taken, obviously the concussions, like it it feels like for him, his stature is not going to ever allow him to be. Like, even as seismically as he's risen this year, it's never going to allow him to be in the elites here. So that's one thing I do look at. Um, and I'll say this. I think that Bryce Young, is, from a talent perspective, probably does have a little more upside than C.J. Stroud. But the one thing I do think is, given the size and given that these are the two quarterbacks that are likely going to be playing right away, and the fact that they can project as a starter all summer, where I put Stroud one is he checks the size box. He's probably going to get top 10 capital someone that is going to have a very good chance to start early, even if it's not week one. That, I think, for me, is partly why he's won, because that player, that pick, I think is the most movable. And when I'm looking at Superflex rankings all summer, I think that plays a big part for me, and I think Dynasty Degenerates, you should think you should think about all these things, right? What do you plan to do with them? Because if you're going to sit and hold, and you don't need a quarterback in your lineup, like then you could start making the case for Anthony Richardson all of a sudden. So it kind of just depends on what you're planning to do. All right, that's fair. 
So it's safe to say then you'd put Bryce Young at two for you, right? Like Correct. CJ Stroud, then Bryce. Yep. Um, man, I was with that. I, I'm with that a lot too. Like I, I completely understand it. I got a little bit of a shocker though. I got Bryce Young at three. I got Ooh. Bryce Young at three. Really sitting down and thinking about it, where I wanted to be with this and where I wanted to. Um, I'm not trying to be too hot takey, but the quarterback I'd rank at 101 is none other than Will Levis. Wow. None other than Mr. Will Levis for me. Wow. Okay. I've heard from Ray uh, just through through chats. The NFL is very high on him. Uh, he's definitely going in the top 10. Um, there's teams that are enamored with him. And, and it, it's hard not to be enamored with him, right? You see him do some ridiculous stuff. Size, throwing ability, arm strength. Uh, I just watched... I know it's just a you know YouTube, and I make fun of YouTube clips on quarterbacks all the time, right? We get a, we got enamored with the uh, the Zach Wilson roll to his left, throw back across his body, sixty yards on the dime, right on you know against air. We got enamored with that. I was watching the YouTube clip of, or uh, Twitter clip of uh, Will Levis throwing fifty yards flat footed, <laughs> not, not moving his feet at all. I was like, oh my gosh, this is ridiculous, but. I think he's shown enough. I mean, I got some firsthand experience watching Will Levis, unfortunately, last year in the bowl game uh, when he played Iowa, and uh, him and Wandale just did whatever they wanted, whenever they wanted. Right. This year wasn't as good for Will Levis. Some of it's offensive line concerns, the weapons. You know, Wandale was in the NFL. Um, but the arm talent is just ridiculous. The mobility is good. The The size – no size concerns with Will Levis. That's a thick boy. <laughs> That's a thick boy. He will be checking in at 6'3", 220 yeah. plus. You know that for sure. I think the problem is, one, he wears number seven, and two, I think he's everything I wanted Sam Howell to be. <laughs> so I'm diving right back into the well, Adam, and okay. I'm doing it all over again. <laughs> all right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it all over again. But I do like Will Levis. The only concern I have about him, and you mentioned it, is the other two quarterbacks – feel like they're locked and loaded, ready to play from day one on their NFL teams. I don't know if uh, Will Levis is. Um, Ray kind of says that it'd probably be a mistake for an NFL team just to force him into action right away, that he's going to need a little time to refine some things and develop a little bit more. But I'm not going to put it above an NFL team to actually take that route, start him from day one. I guess it's all going to depend on how he develops in off-season program training camp, preseason games, et cetera. But Will Levis, just from a pure, I know I said I wasn't going to do the upside word, potential. <laughs> but from a pure potential standpoint, I think he has everything that I want. And he's already shown a lot of that on the field. Like Anthony Richardson, you you, you touched on him, has immense potential, right? He has got that Cam Newton Cam Newton type skill set, but faster, a little bit smaller, but crazy arm talent, crazy everything, crazy speed. We've just seen so little of it over the last couple of years, right? This is the first full year starting. We saw a couple of games early, and then it was very bad for a while, and then it kind of got better towards the end of the year again. But it's that black box where we just really don't know. Mm -hmm. um, definitely going to take a while to develop on him. Will Levis, I think there might be a scenario where, you know, early in the season next year, he might be starting and might actually be playing pretty well and being able to showcase his talent with NFL guys around him. So Will Levis one for me, CJ Stroud two. I'm in agreement over Bryce Young, Bryce Young three, and then Anthony Richardson 
four. There's my list of quarterbacks right right now, Adam. Okay. Well, I mean, I guess what I would say to the to this would be for me and my process and thinking about this, right, going in and Dynasty Degenerates, this whole conversation should really be about trying to form opinions ahead of the ahead of the curve, try to get ideas, you know, maybe where you can get guys and picks. And, and I think, Mike, for me, like if you ask me, upside if they all click, right? It's Anthony Richardson. Mm-hmm. I don't think that anyone would really give a whole lot of pushback. Like if everything clicked right for all these guys, I think Anthony Richardson would have the most potential. Let's say it that way. Like you said, not upside. Would you agree or disagree with that personally? A hundred percent. If everything fell into place, just right development, everything like that, good situation, Anthony Richardson blow the rest of these guys out of the water. No, no question about that. I think he's got ridiculous set of tools. It's just a matter of if we can get to see them all consistently. A hundred percent. Right. And, and I think also to that point, he may have the, um, we have the least seen on him and he probably has the lowest floor too. Um, just how yeah. long does it take for that floor to really come to fruition? If it, if it doesn't hit right for him in dynasty for, you know, gamers to really give up on an Anthony Richardson. Um, I think what, what you bring up with Levis here is this, like, I think from a arm talent perspective, Will Levis does have the arm that maybe is the most enticing, right? Um, mm-hmm. I think I can agree with that, and I, I like his size too. My, my only thing is, if I'm going to – this is my pause with Will Levis, and let me just say it like this, right? When you look at the dynasty landscape, when you look at Superflex especially, Mike, right? Like when you look at the top let, – let's call it the ones that matter. Like we've, we've done this before, right? Like when you yeah. start – like right now, to me, you got Lance and Cousins, um, where it's crazy. But like at Lance, right, you're gonna—I would take him off of this list just because we still—he's still a huge question mark. Now he's someone people are gonna value highly, but I don't put him in this next group that you can tier however you want to. But when I think about like Kyler Murray, who's now hurt, who's obviously gonna get down in this list, right? Lamar, Watson, Lawrence, Dak, Fields, Herbert, Burrow, Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, Patty Mahomes. Like, okay, a lot of these guys, they offer really, really good rushing upside. Now, I'm yeah. not going to say Will yeah. Levis isn't someone that can run some, but, like, I don't think Will, you're drafting Will Levis as a, the idea of this rusher. And when you when I name those guys, Mike, I'm not saying Will Levis can't be something. But for me, um, he, he doesn't have the guys that don't offer rushing there. Like, honestly, who are those? Is it is it Joe Burrow? Like, I'm not saying he's Joe Burrow, he can't run, but my problem is if I'm going to draft a quarterback that's not going to see the field right now and has some of this project stuff and he's not like the most mobile or someone that's going to have like a high rushing floor, that's where I have a hard time with ranking him um, differently than I have him currently right now. Now, okay. all yeah. that all that being said, it doesn't mean that that's 100%, right? It doesn't mean NFL teams won't love Will Levis and if Will Levis gets top 10 draft capital, obviously <laughs> I have to rethink some things, but mm-hmm. from where I'm going at it right now, that that's kind of where I'm coming from with the ranking process. Obviously what's going to be really fun is when football finishes, I, you're going to see so much different conversation about all these guys, the hype, the, you know, pro days, combines, it's going to be wild, but I guess that's where I'm coming from with Levis. No, that that's completely fair. I think what, what we really need to take in mind is you need to have like a, a Tua or a Joe Burrow level of rushing, like in order to to be considered in that elite. Now you may not ever crack like the super elite, 
the the Josh Allen, the Patrick Mahomes, the Justin Herbert, the Jalen Hurts without even more of right. a rushing. But you know, Tua and Burrow aren't the most mobile, but they're very functional in their mobility, right? They're they're definitely not statues. There's a big difference when you watch those guys play than when you watch uh, Matt Ryan <laughs> stand, sure. stand back there painfully, <laughs> painfully, right. or a, a Jimmy G type. Where even when they do take off and run, like you just cringe. You, you think their legs are going to snap in half. Like, what are you doing? You're a statue. Stay a statue. Don't do it. But yep. I, I think Will Levis definitely has, at least in my opinion now, I don't have the numbers to back it up. That's what analytics are for. Uh, that's what our guy JB is for, that he's keeping track of all that and what Scott Connor will definitely dive into. What the actual rushing numbers are, um, part of it that always – construes it a little bit from the NFL to college. Yes, is is just the way the college counts sacks. You know, it goes against quarterback rushing yards. So if you're taking a shit ton of sacks, man, like it's really hard to have positive rushing totals or to get any kind of counting stats in that area. But at least from what I've seen, it looks like he's mobile. Um definitely, definitely not Anthony Richardson type mobility. Uh definitely not Bryce Young type mobility. But I don't really envision like a guy like CJ Stroud as being the most mobile kind of guy either. Like Agreed. It was kind of it was kind of a a, a unicorn sight when he would take off and run like last year, even though people were calling for it all the time. Sure. He, he looks decent when he does it. He just doesn't ever really want to, it seemed like. Yeah, I'm with you. Well, and, and let me say this, I, I agree with that. I also I'm not trying to say Will Levis is a statue. I think Will Levis can offer some rushing, but I just don't think it's part of the baked in, you know core of what he's going to be his fantasy value for, for me I think I agree though that CJ Stroud um is not someone that's going to rush the football but I think I I have concerns with CJ Stroud but I think he's a yeah. good enough passer and is going to see the field right away and I think he has a chance to be a a decent long-term quarterback so like from my thing is if I'm going to draft one of these guys that don't have the highest rushing upside I want I, I like someone that's going to see the field right away for flippability. I like someone that's going to get the high capital. My my only problem is if I'm getting Will Levis right, this is I think what you have to think about Dynasty Degenerates, at least from what I have today. If he doesn't offer supreme upside as far as rushing, and he hasn't really had he's he's had really good flashes as a passer, right? But he still projects as a pro, yes. pro, like a project as far as a passer goes. Yeah, yeah. So if you like you've seen all the guys there like Tua, I mean historical college numbers as far as a passer Joe Burrow historical college numbers as a passer right and and my only question is if he doesn't offer really super high rushing upside and it's shaky with the arm as far as accuracy and him being a true weapon like th- that's where it's it's risky for me for what the upside is is in my opinion now that doesn't mean that that is going to be where I stay all along I guess that's just my concern with him last point I want to get to Mike because even if we we are completely opposite here um, on Will Levis, but at the same time, we agree these are the t- these are the four that matter today. Outside yeah. of these guys, if someone gets first round draft capital, it'll probably be a little more of a surprise than anything. Um, that being said, Mike, like okay, because you're going to rank Will Levis one currently today. Now, I think the thing is, in even if you were doing pre draft rookie drafts right for Which dynasty degenerates about, about 15 of them this year buddy <laughs> oh a, a bunch of them my, i guess my question is because you have him at one that's that's assuming that's how you value him that's not where you're going to take him today 100 percent, right uh i kind of had a little bit of talk uh while i was at work today with uh with ray and some of the other patrons in the heisman discord patreon.com forward slash all guests the conversations are phenomenal get your ass in there but having a little bit of a conversation about 
if you guys kind of remember you dynasty degenerates and Adam, you as well, if you remember the last couple of years, um, especially for us, um, I've done one for a few years before that, uh, just a random league, but uh, the pre NFL draft rookie draft. So these usually happen in about April, or if you're in one of these psychotic leagues, like the bomb squad leagues that we're in, people are drafted in February, <laughs> drafted rookies because we're insane and not patient. But uh, these these have kind of become more popular, right? A little bit more popular. And two years ago, one of the biggest values that we had was Mac Jones, right? That was a guy, um, you know, I think I had him at QB3, maybe QB4. I, I can't remember exactly where probably QB four. Um, he was one of those guys that was an incredible value because nobody valued him at QB four. People were valuing him as QB five, QB six, whatever the hell they were doing. And then also overall in the rookie class, really devalued. You're getting Mac Jones in the early part of the second round of your dynasty rookie drafts, like a super flex quarterback who ended up getting drafted in the top 15 of the NFL <laughs> and then started from day one. So, he was the big value. Adam, for us last year, even though the class was was we were preaching it was good and then it ended up being shitty and then it kind of became good again this year with the other skill players outside the quarterback position, mm-hmm. a couple of the biggest values were uh, Jahan Dotson and George Pickens for us. Now, yep. if you listen to what Scott's talking about, like those guys ended up being sells, but the fact that they're valued as high as they are in the market, whether you like the analytical numbers or not, and you think they might be overvalued is irrelevant because what you spent in draft capital last year, pre NFL draft to get these guys was, was next to nothing, right? You're getting those guys in the second, the mid second for, for GP sometimes with John Dotson. So I was talking about which, players in the 23 class for these pre NFL rookie drafts were going to be the, you know, the Mac Jones or the George Pickens or the Jahan Dotson, who is going to be the value. And I do think for me, a lot of it, like in the back end of the first, I don't think it's going to happen in the second, but the back end of the first and the pre NFL draft will be a guy like Will Levis because I'm in love with him. I'm in love with his talent. Uh, there, There is a select few people who are in love with the talent. I think the NFL, from what I hear from Ray and the people at the Draft Network, are in love with the talent. There's a lot of people on Twitter who hate him. Uh, there'll probably be some pushback on this episode about, like, you're crazy, he's QB1, <laughs> you're an idiot, that kind of thing. right? So there's some vitriol associated with Will Levis, which will push him down the boards. So anytime I could take my QB1, if that's who I got, and that's who I ultimately land on as my QB1 in pre-NFL rookie drafts, if I get him at the 107, the 108 at him, I'll be over the moon. I'll be over the moon. And a 1,000%, even though he may be my QB1, if I'm picking at the 102 and the 107, I'll probably take a CJ Young or a, a, a CJ Stroud or a Bryce Young. I try to combine the two <laughs> yep. players in one. But I'm going to sure, take CJ Young, Young at 102, and now <laughs> you're on the clock at 103, and they're both gone. CJ Young Richardson. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I'll take a CJ Stroud or a Bryce Young at the 102 and then try to get a Will Levis again at the 107, knowing that I might be able to trade that 102 down the road for a little bit more. So. Well, okay. Yes, to and, answer and, your question. That was a long-winded way of saying, yes, Adam, I will not take him <laughs> to 102. I will probably take him in the back half, knowing the way the market will be on. And Well, I think that's where, you know, for me, like, let me just say this, because if you're listening to this, like, I don't hate Will Levis by any means. Um, and I'm with you, like, 
to me, every person in this draft, especially in the first round of this 23 class, like there will be guys and where I probably come off as this is a guy I'm fading. This is a guy I want all that stuff outside of Bijan, who I think is just going to be a great phenomenal NFL player. Um, they're going to be value dependent. Right. And for me, like when will, if will Levis is going to be more like, I don't know if one Oh seven is my sweet spot for him, but one Oh eight, one Oh nine ish. Right. Like you're, I'll definitely be pressing the button on will Levis and that's in pre-drafts. And then if he gets top 10 capital, I think it'll be interesting to see there, Mike, where he goes because, like, I don't think he's the statue of Mac Jones, right? And I think there was an appeal issue with Mac Jones, why he was going in the very later part of the first round. That class was loaded. It had a bunch of upside quarterbacks, potential quarterbacks, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I just I want to see if he does get this top 10 pick capital, even top 15, like, like, where does he end up going, right? Because when you think about it from a quarterback versus positional landscape, right, you got B. John Robinson, Jameer Gibbs, Addison, right, as the skill players that you could probably see going ahead of him easy. And then, you know, those three quarterbacks we discussed, depending on what their capital is. So you're looking at that six, like 107. If he's top 10, like I could see 107 as being the latest spot you get him, um, yeah. depending on yeah. what happens. So, like, I think it, for, for me, he – could be a value depending on where he ends up falling in the drafts but like if I today was going to be drafting them a lot of it's based on what my future thought process is on the players and then also what I think their market value is going to be which is why for me I have to put Will Levis at four that's fair that's completely fair one last uh you know I don't know you can call it a shot across the bow or whatever but this is why I love JB the analytical database uh, all American above tier on Destination Debbie why I just plugged the Patreon Get in there, but JB keeps this database updated, and uh, he color codes it for for dummies like me. Man, it makes it easy to read. So, I was just curious, Adam. This this you know, I don't know if this is a sticky metric or not, but we talk about rushing rushing upside, right? Yeah. And you brought it up with Will Levis. One of the interesting things is the uh, uh, JB keeps a, a metric or a stat, their best ever PFF rushing grade. So how PFF graded them in college and what their rushing grade is. Will Levis is actually really good. Uh, 86.2, uh, nice, nice dark green, right? So that's why I talk about color coded. I'm like, ooh, green, that's probably good. It's better than red. Uh, so I had to look. Uh, Bryce Young and CJ Stroud, both about mid 60s for their best ever. So whether that's a sticky stat or not, uh, at least PFF thinks that he, at one point, <laughs> he was pretty good at running the football, just a little bit. So. We'll have to see how the process shakes out as we dive more into it. But that's the quarterbacks. We spent way too long on it, but that's what we do, man. The, the quarterback in 2022 and probably going forward makes or breaks your dynasty team more often than not, especially super flex leagues. Um, yeah. One QB, even then, some of those uh, some of those quarterbacks are becoming in a, in a crazy advantage over your league mates if you've got a Patrick Mahomes or one of these guys. So quarterbacks are definitely coming toward the forefront. Adam, let's move on to the running back position. A lot easier. Uh, 101, uh, (laughs) number one running back for you is, surprise, surprise. Bijan, easy. No way. (laughs) You're crazy. (laughs) Outside of my mind, right? I'm just insane. Um, Bijan, mustard, one. Um, for me, it's going to be Jameer Gibbs two. I think there's a Bijan one tear break, Gibbs two tear break, 
and then you could have I think you could very very realistically have a case for a few guys at three, depending on Man, where you're so many, so what many, your right? where your viewpoint is. And I think that's where I I think that's where this class is going to honestly, Mike, and Dynasty Degenerates lack from what we thought, right? Like if you think about where the hype train started two years ago, right? You had a lot of these running backs that were very highly thought of as prospects. You had guys like, uh, speaking of quarterbacks, DJ Uwe Gungalele, right? Like, oh, nice job on the name, buddy. <laughs> DJ U is, um, he's back to wherever you, because he's not, um, I mean, he's not going to be someone that's drafted very highly. And, yeah. you know, it's just, he's not even, he's not even the first round discussion. People were saying he's the 101 at quarterback. Like, he's not in this discussion anymore, right? So you have him falling. The core of this class was not really the wide receivers, right? And then you had, mm-hmm. and then you had Boutte, who at you know two years ago was the the cream of the crop at the wide receiver position. He's going back to school, right? So you, yeah. And now you have a lack of depth at receiver. Although I think there's enough depth still to where there's going to be good ones. Like I like guys like Marvin Mims, but they're not someone I'm you know super highly targeting. But when you're looking at running back. The value of running back has cratered so much this season, right? It's at an all-time low, it feels like, as far as like the tapped-in dynasty space has been. So yeah. you you have the two the two running backs that everybody really wants, and they see like three-down skill set, pass-catching upside, everything could click, and then everybody else after that, I'm not saying you don't like them, but there's question marks on a lot of things, where now it's you're going to probably have to take those in the mid to you know late first and do people ultimately want to spend their capital on running backs like that. So I think that's where it's going to be very interesting with these running backs, Mike. I think you're 100%, right? The easiest way to summarize this, we are we are in lockstep here where it is uh, Bijan, no question about it, no hot takey here, uh, no hot takey at two, like uh, Jameer Gibbs for me. And, and you're 100% right. It's Bijan, tear break, Jameer Gibbs, tear break for me. <laughs> And one of the things with the way the running back position has, what you touched on, Adam, is when I look at the next group, of, I mean, there's guys that I love in here, right? Like I can I can go out and I can tell you that I'm a big Sean Tucker fan. Um, no matter what people say, no matter the hate that comes his way, I, whether people think he's overrated or not, like I can make a strong case for him being my RB3. And I will go ahead and say it. Sean Tucker is my RB3, but I'd be lying to you if I didn't tell you that Right after him is, you know, Zach Evans, Kendra Miller, Devin A. Chain, you know, Blake Corm, Zach Charbonnet. Zach Charbonnet is a guy you and I were were in love with and praying he came out in last year's class, and that didn't happen. <laughs> happened. Yep. He went back to school, and, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. But I'm going to throw him in that. And, and Tank Bigs- Bigsby, well, who, you know, just a, you know, just, I mean, we're talking like a year ago, Adam. Like, this is everybody's locked and loaded, maybe RB1, RB2 of the class, probably RB2 because Bijan was still an incredible stud, but it was like Tank Bigsby and then Jameer Gibbs or, right. or Tank Bigsby slash Jameer Gibbs, however you wanted to do it. And it kind of seemed he fell out of favor, and then he, he slowly came back this year, right? He had some moments early, and then there wasn't a lot in the middle, and then towards the end of the season it was like, yeah, I'm still Tank Bigsby. <laughs> pay t- t- Pay attention. Yep. I would say he's in that uh, the Chase Brown kid out of Illinois. I mean, you're a Big Ten fan at Ohio State, but 
Chase Brown just carries the mail. I think he had like a 40-some carry game this year. Doesn't give a shit. I like him a lot. I like what I've seen from him. Um, there's a lot of good running backs in this class. Yeah, there's you, a you, really you hit, lot. I think you hit everyone I think you mentioned for me the next tier of the guys that you could probably make a case for. Like I think Chase Brown will probably be for most people – lower part of this and you could probably tier these a few different ways but i think you already touched on all of them zach evans kendra miller sean yeah. tucker devon a chain um quorum charbonnet trying to think bigsby and uh brown i think those are the ones that are for me like i, I would have them tiered certainly different but i think all i think the thing is those guys all have a range of outcomes for people that are going to be drafting that seems in in the close enough vicinity, depending on draft capital, right? So I think when you think about all that, the the fact that there's depth if you don't get one of Gibbs and Bijan, what's that going to mean? There, You're going to want to go get the quarterbacks, the two running backs. Then you're going to want to go probably get, you're going to see this in drafts, those three receivers right now. Even though Jackson Smith and Jigba didn't do dick all all season and he was yeah. hurt and there's questions about the 40 time and all that he's probably for a lot of people still in this mix where you got jordan addison um you know and quentin johnson who i like the upside of him there's a lot of you know helmet scouting going on with the the school he's at in tcu and you know yeah. some philly yeah. fans i know don't really like the tcu um whole thing because of the jalen rager stuff but man it's not like we've been burdened before <laughs> yeah nobody nobody's really keeping you know stats or tabs on that so <laughs> we got jordan addison quentin johnson and jackson smith and jigba so i think mike you're gonna see a lot of this i think unless there's one of these running backs really takes a huge leap in draft capital different than the others in a landing spot or something where because there's all these different running backs that you could probably people are getting to the point in the way they're rostering their teams where I just want one of them. So I'm yeah. cool getting one whatever's there at 202, you know, and letting you guys pick who you want to have ahead of that and I I think that's the reality and then this is where it's crazy because once you get through that list, Mike, then you get to the other receivers, but it just it feels like it's a cluster of those guys right now. And I don't know exactly how that will break up and shape up as far as where they're tiered and where they're ranked ultimately. So just about everything we play in is going to be tight end premium, Adam. So for me, I mean, you hit it on the head as far as the running back position goes. Like I want Bijan and I want Jameer Gibbs. And, uh, you know, I kind of have a range, you know, Bijan's going probably one oh one, barring something crazy. And Jameer Gibbs is probably going to go two, three, four at the latest. I would imagine at the very latest. The rest of the running backs just right now, because they're so close to me, I could give you ranks of them. Uh, it really doesn't matter, Adam. I think for me, I'm probably looking at like maybe the earliest I would take one of these guys right now is like the 110, the 111, um, because you're going to get so many of these guys in the second round that I'm completely happy with as well. The biggest separator is going to be the combine. You know how much I love sure. running back combines. Like That's my thing, even though Isaiah Spiller broke my heart. <laughs> Absolutely shattered it last year, but I'm big into running back combine. I do believe ad- athleticism is something to be desired at the it's running back massive, position. It's going to be massive, man. Massive. So it'll be interesting to see how those guys shake out. Um, but, yeah, that's pretty much the running back uh, landscape in a nutshell as far as 2023 goes. Let's move on to the wide receivers, Adam. Um True or false, Jackson, Smith, and Jigba is still your wide receiver one. 
false. Oh, okay. Okay, let's go. Who is it? Who is the wide receiver one today? Now this is going to change. Right? We ain't going to take too much stock in it. We ain't going to give you eight and well, three months that you I, said it wrong. But No, I mean, I, listen, I, I think Jackson Smith and Jigba is – going to be super polarizing like I think people still are going to be very intrigued by the name I'm not saying he's you know off my board or anything crazy but I think what didn't happen this year versus what did um as a whole this is not just what Jackson Smith and Jigba did not do playing football for Ohio State but what Marvin Harrison Jr. did what some of these other guys did like there's Mm -hmm. this there's this giant question mark and then when I start hearing, you know, and I guess I hadn't done enough even digging or there's not a ton of information that I ch- typically check on like what people or scouts are saying on what he's going to run. Like when I start hearing that he might run sub four, six, he didn't play much at all last year. Ultimately, what does his draft capital become? And I hear that there's questions about speed and there's questions about draft capital. I can't put him at one. And I think That's this fair. is where. I want you to understand this is why this wide receiver class is just scary for me. And I think people that are very wide receiver heavy now and are switching this way, if they don't kind of think about this ahead of time with the way they draft and you start chasing receivers because you're fearful of running back, Mike, when we start talking about these receivers, I think you're going to be very let down if you have expectations of 22, 21, 20. I don't know, like, Mike – because I, I, for me, I'll say this. I have currently, like, in, in a tier, Quentin Johnson and Jordan Addison. And then Jason's probably in the back half of that tier. For a lot of people, I'd put him in the next tier, personally. So, um, I know that's not really spicy to make a not really a one. I got a 1A, 1B in Quentin Johnson, Jordan Addison. I think people would draft Jordan Addison higher. Personally, I think the upside on Quentin Johnson's better. All right. All right. I guess I'm, uh, I'm sticking to my guns. JSN is still my wide receiver one. Okay. Um, I I would have loved to seen him actually do something this year. Uh, I'm not too concerned about the forty, but the Adam this this definitely will change if he comes out and he runs like a four six five. You know what I mean? I'm going like oh, it has shit. to, right? Yes, it has to. It has to. I can't put him out there, especially when by all reports Quentin Johnson is going to come out and just be, you know. Like, oh, can you believe this dude almost ran a 4-3 or he might actually run a 4-3 or something stupid at his size? Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're going to get pretty excited about that. But I have uh, JSN 1, Jordan Addison 2, and Quentin Johnston 3. But this is no slight against uh, Quentin Johnston, and this is no Jalen Rager burn. Uh, I just like what I've seen from the other two guys just a little bit more, and I feel like I've seen it for multiple years even though we didn't really get to see a whole lot of jsn this past year but in what we did see early before he got hurt it was like he was right back on track still still snapping kids ankles uh albeit most of his routes from the slot which is a, a little bit of a concern but yep. hey man we kind of had these going into last year where we started picking Traylon burks apart because he ran his routes from the slot and it's like can he win outside and then he gets the nfl in it just really doesn't matter. No, well, <laughs> hasn't now, been ridiculous, but he's been okay. You know what's funny, man? Speaking of slot discussion, now, first of all, I think it does matter. Um, if you're having athletic traits that are four, six, sub four, six, yeah. that's where I think the big difference maker is. But do you remember when there was discussion about two guys that played on the same football team? And there was a guy that played a lot in the slot and had a lot of success in the slot, and that was part of the reason people drafted him 
in the back half of round one in rookie drafts that now all of a sudden is by everyone's standard better than the teammate that played on the outside in Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. So I think it matters, but I also think like I don't want to put too much stock into just that, but I think it's a piece. You know, if, if it's a guy that's not really athletically imposing um, in the combine and then also is going to be someone that yeah. is worried about the slot, that's where a, a lot of that talk, Mike, is where my concern is. It's not saying I'm out, but it's saying I'm lowering expectations until I see otherwise with him. But I think, honestly, th- these are the three that do stand out for me um, in the 23 class as far as the wide receivers if I'm going to shoot my shot in the first round especially. Yeah, we did do this. Uh, we, we had concerns about Justin Jefferson's 40 time, right? We didn't know if he'd run that fast, right? The the ones coming out of high school were not great. It was like 4-7 or something like yeah, man. that. He comes to the NFL, he runs a 4-4-3. Uh, those concerns are alleviated a little bit, but we still did the whole, man, you know how many percentage of his routes he ran from the slot versus this and blah. We, I mean, we did that that whole song and dance. And yep. J, JJ was like, nah, man, that don't, that shit don't matter. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm that guy. I'm that guy. Yep. <laughs> Clearly. 100%. So those are the the top three wide receivers. Uh, who's your number four? I guess this will probably be the most interesting. Like if you got to put a number four on it right now, is it close with somebody or is somebody standing out to you? So, I think this is where it's tough, man, because you're shooting your shot on different things, right? Like Josh Downs, the differences in his years. Um, Marvin Mims, I think the size concern for him. And then, like, for me, I think I'm making a strong case, and I don't know if this is wrong, man. This is maybe just from what I saw this year and kind of being excited about him, it's it's Jalen Hyatt. And I think for me – I'm gonna oh, go. I'm gonna put him at four. Um, I could make conversation. I could understand people saying otherwise, but I think I want to put Jalen Hyatt at four for myself. But I'm not sure if that's what consensus is going to be or where other people are. Man, this is all because of a friend of the program, Baylor. <laughs> right? You're listening, Baylor. This is buddy man. out here hyping him up in our uh, C2C league for the longest time. So. In the other C2C league, I took me some Jalen Hyatt, and I uh, absolutely love it. And then uh, it wasn't looking that great early, right? We were having a lot of conversations about Cedric Tillman, who is an, who in his own right should be up here as well. He's in, um, he should be in injured. this. He should be in this conversation. Yep. I agree. Uh, but Jalen Hyatt sure as hell did step up when Tillman went out, didn't he? <laughs> and uh, I love what I saw from him. God, the connection he had with, with Hooker was amazing to see. Some absolute monster games against some big-time opponents. That's what I love to see. I'll be interested to see what his combine is um, athletic, athletically, like how he grades out versus other people. Definitely one that I'll be watching more tape of. Um, I just got to watch you know, the basics. What he played on Saturday versus Alabama, that kind of stuff. But damn, I love me some Jalen Hyatt, and I'm with you, man. Right now, if I got to put a wide receiver four, it used to be uh, used to be Josh Downs for me. Um, kind of an up and down year. I think injuries had a lot to do with it, or maybe just poor play in general. But Jalen Hyatt, wide receiver four for me, man. I'm with you. I'm with you. Let's go, Jalen Hyatt. I'm, I'm on the train right now. Let's go, Jalen Hyatt. I, I know. And I guess this is one of the things too, like with, um, like for me especially, like Mims and Jalen Hyatt, like I, I think the combine and ultimately their like size and what they are, you know, checking in at height and weight is going to be probably something that people maybe move needle on a little bit. And I mean, we saw how 
listen, Devontae Smith had a lot of size concerns, and like everyone is worried about the size still at this point, I think has shown that it's not everything. But Marvin Mims, I think, is someone that's going to obviously be sub six foot. Heard different things from him, whether it's 5'10, 5'9, 5'11, and then, you know, 180 pounds. Like, I don't know. I think if you're 5'10, 5'9, people are going to basically say he's probably only a slot, but we'll see there. And then mm-hmm. Jalen Hyatt, um, I know he's kind of in that same 180, 185 pounds and in right around six foot. So I think what they, you know, what their height is and what they weigh in at the combine, what they run, what their traits are, athletically are going to be huge for these guys as far as where they go, really. It would be massive. One of the uh, one of the other guys I really like is Zay Flowers. We'll kind of see what happens with him, whether he ends up declaring. Um, you know, I haven't seen anything on Twitter, so I may be just talking out my ass here. But I, I love me some Zay Flowers for a couple of years. A lot of Rondell Moore comps, and you know, when Rondell was struggling, then I'm out on I'm out on Zay Flowers, and then Rondell kind of came back and did some things, and now he's on IR. But I'm back in on those those Rondell types. Yeah, speak, like, give me a little of- bit of hope. Speaking of the size stuff, right? Now, let me ask you this because uh, before we get out of here, whatever, um, where are you at with your guy in, in, in state, man? Uh, Xavier Hutchinson, you know, your your Iowa State Cyclone. I think he, I think he's fine. I think he's fine. Um, he's definitely, I think, going to have some athletic concerns um, just from watching him. Uh, I don't know if he's the most athletic guy, but – this is the thing about the wide receiver position, man. Uh, we just talked about Justin Jefferson. There are guys like that where you kind of watch on tape and, and just the way they move, they, they almost glide. They almost right. glide, and, and, and it doesn't look as fast as they actually are. And then they come out at the combine, and you're like, holy shit, that dude ran a 4-4, four, four, that dude ran a 4-3, or that guy, you know, damn, he he's sub 4-3. He doesn't look like it. He, he doesn't, quote, unquote, play that fast. Right. Um, but some guys, it's just so damn effortless, <laughs> man. You, you're an athlete. You've been around college athletes before, and there's guys who just make it look so easy, and it's very easy to get caught up just watching and going like, oh, yeah, he hit that athletic until the dude blows by you. Right. <laughs> like you're standing still, <laughs> right, until he just fucking dusts you, and you're going like, all right, I was wrong. My bad. <laughs> My bad. So Xavier Hutchinson will be an interesting one. His his probably his metrics aren't gonna his analytics wise his profile isn't gonna be that good because of the age right uh, j- just being that kind of guy we tend to dunk on those 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 guys who stay in school <laughs> we do it every year we did it with Smitty we do it with whoever the hell it is absolutely hey, you stayed in school you must be horrible um, absolutely it's not always the case I think we get a little carried away with it sometimes but. He's an interesting one, and we, and we talked about it on the JB pod. You know, I just kind of throw his name out there. I like what I saw from him, uh, unfortunately, because he plays at <laughs> Iowa State. <laughs> but uh, Xavier Hutchinson will be one to watch. I'll throw him in the mix with Zay Flowers. I'll throw him in the mix with Cedric Tillman, uh, both kind of guys that I like deeper down there. Right. Um, I still have some love for Josh Down, Downs. Uh, you can see my Sam Howell uh, 20, <laughs> 2021 love still carrying over here. So Josh Downs, still love you guy. Uh, Marvin Mims, some interest, but like you said, the size thing is really, really scaring the shit out of me. Outside of that, man, uh, is there any hope for, for the once favorite, Rakeem Jarrett? I know in uh, Dynasty Berry's ADP that he keeps track of, that man has really fallen down the board. He's boards, almost man. in he, the fourth round now. Yeah, right, I think, right. right? Or maybe I'm yep. wrong there. Okay. Yep. Is there any hope for Rakeem Jarrett? <laughs> any hope for you? 
DC maybe. I mean, like if he gets good DC, decent enough testing, and maybe I can sell, you know, sell him at some point. I I don't know. I, I don't want to write him off, but it, it feels like um, everybody has written him off, honestly, and I don't. I don't know. It doesn't. It doesn't look good, man. Honestly, if we're being like, I I don't even know where he like. I think he could be a, a pretty late pick from what I've read, um, what I've seen from. I don't know. I, I personally, Raheem Jarrett's someone I'm pretty out on unless we're talking just really late dart, and I'm just like, all right, let me just get Raheem Jarrett, maybe name value or something. That's fair. That's fair. One of the things that we'll be doing too is is getting a more definitive list of early declares who's going back to school. Um, who's just saying, fuck it, I know I'm not ready for the NFL yet, I'm going back to school, or I'm going to use an extra year of eligibility and entering the transfer portal, trying to find a different situation, or whatever the case may be. Yeah. We also have so many of these guys. I mean, Keishon Boutte is the easiest one to point out, but guys going like, yeah, I'm going back to school. And and going to get a massive bag, a massive NIL deal to go back to school. One of those things we kind of talked about a little bit last year on this podcast, I believe, in regards to Sam Howell, where it's going like if you're new, your draft capital is going to be in the fifth round. If you're Sam Howell, don't you just go back to school and take a, a $2 million NIL deal to promote a car dealership or whatever the hell it was going to be. You would sure and, as and hell go, think like, so. I'm good. <laughs> right? You would sure like, as hell think so. Go back and be the big man on campus for another year and maybe improve your draft stock from that fifth rounder. But Tight end position, man. This one will be quick. <laughs> this one will be quick. Uh, tight end one for you, Michael Mayer. Yes. I mean. <laughs> you did say that with a lot of conviction. You weren't too happy I, about it. I don't know, man. Like, I personally to me, Mike, in this class, I don't think I'm taking tight ends unless it's, like, getting to the third round, man. Like, I don't know. I, I think there's a, an issue for me. Like, I know we've seen some guys come out and play well. Like, Dolchich has played well. Likely's played well in spurts, right? We've seen yeah. you know, KDOT and whatever. But, like, it feels like, to me, if I'm not getting a polar, like, really high upside athletic guy in the first two rounds, and, and maybe the mid-second, like a Pat Fryermuth, I don't, I don't think I can do it, man. It just... The investment seems to not pay off. Like and like, like, look at Trey McBride right now this year, right? Yeah. Like he's gotten, he's finally gotten Zach Ertz off the field. He still hasn't done a whole lot. He's, mm-hmm. There's a little bit of promise, but it's like this is a the problem with it. I think for me, Mike, in the way I like the dynasty, is this is a asset that is going to be locked in, right? Like I, me selling Trey McBride probably at any point, unless it was just a criminal oversight by the person I'm trading with, I'm losing value. So. To me, these drafting these tight ends until I get to the twenty four class, like I don't know that it's a wise investment just from not even what they will be in their pro career, but the amount of time they're probably gonna be locked in my lineup in like unless you unless it's a lineup league where you can just put them in the taxi, you're okay not moving them. Like it's just I don't I'm not really into that right now. Michael Mayer will be the easiest tight end I draft or don't draft. And it's gonna be based on one thing, the combine. Either he performs and he's a plus Raz guy and I'm very interested in him. And especially where we kind of talk about that that back end of the first round in your rookie drafts and tight end premium or two tight end leagues, I will be highly interested in him if he performs well at the combine and he's a plus athlete. So uh, uh, Just because of the production, the size, the pedigree, which I think he's going to get the draft capital in the NFL that's going to matter. 
and what we talk about with the running back position being so deep. And then once you get past like wide receiver three, it's a bunch of wide receiver fours where I can make a case for any of them. I would rather take a guy like Michael Mayer at the back end of the first round and then come back with one of these running backs or come back with one of these wide receivers and be completely fine than feeling like I'm reaching to go get my guy at running back or wide receiver in the first round when the fall off isn't as great. You know what I mean? If he's not a plus athlete and he's just subpar, that's just a guy where I'm like, you know, if he falls to the mid to late part of the second round, all right, I'm in just because of what I think he's going to get for draft capital, mm-hmm. <laughs> what he's going to do. So he's the easiest tight end decision I think I've ever had to make in rookie drafts. It is all going to depend on how he how he performs, how he runs, what he weighs in at, what his size is. Gotcha. Well, let me say this. So let, let, let's say he does, because from what I hear, there's a lot of concerns that he's not going to be a RAS guy. Correct. Now, yes. let's say that he is. Let's just hypothetically say that he's – now, I, I, I can pretty much say this with certainty. He's not going to be a elite RAS score guy, but he may he may check the box that makes him someone that we're interested in. I think <laughs> we can agree He's no that. Kyle Pitts. He's no Noah fan, right? <laughs> no chance. That is okay. not in the range of outcomes for Michael Mayer. Unless say, they juice the shit out of those times. <laughs> unless this is a no combine pro day that just is absolutely ridiculous. Um, but let, let's say he just is intriguing enough where he checks the box of the, the range of where you need to be on the RAS score. Yep. If that's the case, Mike, let me say this. Where, where then are you comfortable taking him? Because I, I think for me this is still even where my problem is, but I'm curious to hear where you're saying is where the cutoff break is for him. Where he will be would be after the quarterbacks. Um all four of them, uh, as long as things stay the course, right? And we all keep getting this uh, this feeling, right? So I'm thinking of uh, my pre-NFL rookie drafts. I know what the combines are. I kind of have more feel of where these guys are going to get drafted by the NFL. I'm ready to make some fucking mistakes, Adam. I'm ready to dive in and be hurt again. So say that's the case. All four quarterbacks, Bijan, Gibbs, and I will say whoever I land on officially as my wide receiver one, after those guys are gone, I would take Michael Mayer if he's a plus performer athletically at the tight end position. <laughs> wow. So you're higher than I would have even guessed. So you're saying you're talking the 108. I am, sir. I am, sir. The 108, the 109 feels just right if he's a plus athlete. Ooh. Um, what, what does Ray say, man? Uh, banana land. That's, <laughs> that, that's banana land to me. Because honestly, like – this I think is the point for me where, like, Mike, it just it feels like to me where where I would take him there. One, there's going to be some slow payoff, even if he does work out, right? Because if you're taking him at 108, let's even say it's anywhere from 108 to 112, right? Like, there's going to be slow payoff because he's probably even if he plays right away, it's probably going to take time before you see the leap at the tight end position. So that that's my definitely one concern. And then two, it's like, okay, when I look at the tight ends in the dynasty landscape, like oh, we we've drafted a lot of guys in these in this mix, and it's like this name value that mm-hmm. doesn't ever actually give me production. So now not only am I slow playing it, I've invested high capital, so I can't really flip that asset very well. And then on top of it, it tends to be this thing that's like this name, like you know. I mean, we could go through a lot of them. They're going to probably have some Iowa Hawkeye names in them. but uh, So I, won't, I don't want to do that necessarily on air. But, like, that, I guess that's where my problem is, is, like, 
you're waiting for the payoff. You're hoping that it's the it's he make he makes the mix of one of these tight ends that has the draft capital, everything checks the boxes, and he's scoring points in your lineup. Where to me, it's almost like, all right, am I better off taking any one of these receivers, running backs that I think I could flip more or can give me more points in my lineup today, and then try to go get, you know, maybe don't pay crazy for a tight end if you don't want to get the top three, but someone that you can probably get cheaper. Um, you know, that's going to give you points in your lineup, like a Dalton Schultz or something like that. The reason I say it, though, like I'm comfortable with it, and it's a little bit of a different scenario, but Adam, you and I had to answer a ton of questions in regards to Trey McBride when Zach Ertz went down. Yeah. And people like, should you be paying an early 23 first for Trey McBride? No. No, don't stop. Hell no, right? right? And he hadn't done anything at that point. Right, Zach Ertz gets injured. Now he's got this sudden opportunity, and all of a sudden he increased in value. Sure, it's harder for a guy like I, I theoretically in this situation I'm taking at the 108 to increase in value. But Michael Mayer comes out and does anything early in the season. If I don't like what I've seen, or I don't like how he moves, or I don't like the offense that he fits in, Adam, I think worst case scenario, his first game that he has that he does something. I could cash out or I could go to a different tight end lower down, right? And do the tear down and get a plus on top of it, maybe a draft pick in 2024 and, and maintain my value at, at worst case, just because of the, the thirst, the tight end landscape is such a shit show. It's such a dumpster fire. We're always looking for those next guys. It's the reason for the last few years, guys like TJ Hawkinson are now Pat Fryermuth, a guy that you and I like just, they feel like they get propped up a little bit too much, right? They, they keep rising a little too much and people are placing too much value on them for what they're actually going to give you. So I think with Michael Mayer, I think it's at least at the very worst, a safe investment barring some catastrophic injury or catastrophic situation that happens to him. Okay. I gotcha. I mean, I, I, I hear what you're saying. I think that for me, part of the problem is that I have not seen a lot of these deals for even guys when you start getting into Hawk, Goddard, Fryermuth range where people are basically netting like a two first value or even a, a you know, getting back that first in that mix later yeah. and then the plus that makes up for the player. Um, it doesn't mean you can't, it can't happen. Um, and I'm not going to say that, you know, Michael Mayer is impossible to be a good tight end in the NFL and be someone that's a staple in people's lineup. So for for me, it's just the bet that I've watched lately. I have a hard time with it, but I don't think I could do it in the first round, which I think ultimately is going to make me probably miss him. And I, I'm going to be honest, Mike, I, I could see a scenario where he has a very decent RAS score, not great, and he's going to be drafted in basically the first rounds all the time. And for me, I probably in that scenario miss out on him. So, you know, and then if he hits, like I think there's a scenario where I could go buy him at Pat Fryermuth price. I could go buy him at Dallas Goddard price, which I, I guess that ultimately would be the conversation for me. And this isn't saying you're right or wrong. This is just discussion, right? Like, what do you think it would take to go pry Pat Fryermuth away in futures right now? Or let, let's even go further north because he probably is ahead of Pat Fryermuth because of the draft capital, right? Let's say it's Dallas Goddard. Dallas got is going to be a tough one, right? I just answered a question for Gabe where he was talking about getting some shitty tight end plus a first for Dallas Goddard. Like, I mean, a, a super turd, just a gross one. And I'm like, at no. this point, man, Dallas Goddard is pretty much locked and loaded top five tight end. 
um, one of the guys, one of the few guys that I feel comfortable about. We we talked about it the other day with uh, in regards to David Njoku, where it's you know it's Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, Kyle Pitts, however the hell you want to rank them, and then the next two guys off off your mouth, out your mouth need to be Dallas Goddard and David Njoku, and then after that, if you want to put T.J. Hawkinson, Pat Fryerbeth, whatever up there. That's fine, but I, I definitely think there's a kind of a tear break where I feel really good about Dallas Goddard. Yep. I would say you need a first plus, and, and when I'm looking at it and Gabe's going like, you know, I want to trade away uh, Dallas Goddard for this and a mid to late pick in 2024, I'm going like, you know what, in a tight end premium league, bro, I just hold on to Dallas Goddard because there's so many worse options that you can have. Like it feels good to have one of those top five guys because you have a positional advantage over your league mates now not the kind of positional advantage that a travis kelsey gives you because that guy's a unicorn and a unit <laughs> right right but but compared to people who are going to start even a guy we like like greg dolchitz or, or are you going to start a hunter henry or an evan ingram you know most of the time outside of last week evan ingram's out there giving you like eight points nine yeah. points and you're happy about it <laughs> right <laughs> you're right. ecstatic like all right he's doing something or a cole Komet who got that little bit of a boost there from that mid-season run so dallas got it i would say i don't think it's two first adam but i think it's a first in a couple seconds at least in value like yeah. I, I think i think that's where you got to head to to go get a top five asset like that and yeah. it just goes up the higher up that tight end list you go yeah, I, and and I guess I I could probably agree with you. I think you could pro- I think a lot of people would let Dallas Goddard go for a first and a second. And to your point, like I think you could probably get two seconds in the right deal, the right yeah. tight end premium landscape, whatever. Um, I I think for me that's where like I I'm actually agreeing with you with valuation there, and that's where for me I think everything would have to break right, and probably in a year or so, maybe a year and a half too you could basically recoup like you could net an additional second or two seconds in value where I think like we've alluded to, right? I don't project any of these receivers honestly to be elite guys. Like I don't, I think there's a case where they could be very good. I think there's a case where they can make the mix. And, but what we're seeing with that, with trends and wide receivers, right? As a whole, like look at some of these youthful guys, they don't even have to be doing all that much. They just get this crazy value, and I don't understand it. But at the same time, when I see that and I see, you know, if a running back actually does get requisite draft capital, does get all the combine stuff, they do get, you know, the opportunity share. Like Kenneth Walker is a great example this year of a guy that like – I'm not going to say he wasn't drafted highly. He was drafted very much in the second in the first round because of there was no other running backs. But – when you look at a guy that takes the reins that people aren't really all that high on, gets the workload, has the requisite draft capital, like there is a significant value bump that I can play off where I just it's harder for me to see the payoff and valuation happening quick. And maybe that's an oversight on my part, but it's just because of that, I'd rather have the thing that has a different level of allure. But I'm with you. If he does break into that mix of Dallas Goddard and those guys, TJ Hawkinson, you, you absolutely could net something well. And on top of it, you could get one of the difference makers that's young at the position. So, like, I'm not saying it's not in the range of outcomes for it to happen. It's just my bet, the way I want to lay it, is the other way. But I'm, I'm, I understand where you're coming from. All right. Perfect way to end the show. Loaded bullshit question for you. Let's do it. By far and away, Sam Laporte is tight end two of this class. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, man. 
What do you actually think you actually have him at tight end too? Yeah, I have him at tight end too. All right. Um, let me say this. So then what do you have like uh, Washington? That guy just kind of feels like Mercedes Lewis reincarnated, right? This big, giant, lumbering, <laughs> lumbering gargantuan of a man who's probably going to spend most of his time blocking. Like He's going to be a great second left tackle. He is a mammoth of a man. Um, what about the other guy out of the University of Georgia, Eric Gilbert? Any more intrigue with him? There's intrigue, but we haven't ever seen shit right. <laughs> this right. is this has been the ultimate like we think anthony richardson's hard to evaluate because we only oh. saw a year uh we haven't even seen a year for eric gilbert no we have not um yeah i think that's dude i'm just gonna be honest this tight end class is gross um i don't know a whole lot about the kid out of south Dakota, I don't even remember his name. Mike, um, help me out here. Um, um, Tucker man. Croft. I just typed in South there Dakota tight ends. Tucker Croft. There it is. Um, <laughs> I know. Is it Dallas got it reincarnated? <laughs> right. I know. I know he's getting some buzz, and I know um, Kincaid. Right, Utah kid. Yes, and Dal- Sam Dalton Lep- Kincaid. Yeah, yeah. And, and Sam Laporte are kind of the other guys that are being discussed. Um, Mike, I think I think those guys for me though, like I'll draft them when I start getting to third, fourth round. Third, fourth, you know, like all right, fuck it, we're getting scary <laughs> here, and I'll take my shot that I'm hitting a Dolchich or somebody that you know if it does pan off Bellinger, right? You see this little value bump there. I think I can make a little bit of a profit if they see the field, where it's harder for me to make the investment in Mayer because I feel like you're you're drafting you know, this shiny toy and it could happen, but it's just, it's a much richer investment with Mayer. Although obviously the upside's significantly different if he does have the RAS score. So those other ones, man, I think it's going to be late darts, right? Third, fourth round. Are you same way? Uh, yeah. Um, as much as I'll, I'll give people shit about Sam Laporta, I love him. Uh, JB loves him. Um, I'm in the earliest, I think right now I pulled the trigger on him is in the third round. And, uh, the fact that, I love Sam Laporta so much, and uh, most people don't even know who the hell Sam Laporta is, is the fact that I'll probably end up with like 30 for 30, right? This is going to be a 30 for 30 series, 30 leagues, 30 shares of Sam Laporta, because I'll be like, yeah, I'll take him at the 301, 302, 303. Let's ride. Let's ride. Let me get Sam Laporta. That's the way to end it, though, man. I, I do agree with you, though. There, there's some other guys out there that have some intrigue. It is kind of a gross tight end class um, as of right now. I'm seeing some actual NFL mock drafts where they have a lot of these tight ends going a lot higher than I would have ever expected. Imagined, so, yeah. so we will see. I, I'm going to imagine we're going to see a lot of these guys rise. As, as the hype kind of builds, we get to the combine, we get more information that, hey, you know, look out for spot 27 in the NFL draft and be a surprise choice for them taking a tight end in the first round where we only think it's going to be mayor. And then, you know, a bunch of dudes who maybe go in the second, third, fourth rounds. We might get a couple of you guys with some premium draft capital where you got to pay attention to. So yeah. that, that third round thing where I'm taking Sam Laporta or you know, Dalton Kincaid or you know, Tucker Croft, or whoever the hell it may be, may go out the window in a hurry. Yeah. <laughs> in a hurry. Yeah, no, no doubt. And I, and I think, too, um, especially given the, the class, right, uh, I think with what my mayor's name is, like that's where it's going to be hard for me 
Um, and I'm not saying I won't ever draft a tight end up in that range again because I think in 24 you're going to have some guys that really make you think about taking them yeah. early. We got some tight ends in 2024 coming. If you haven't listened to our pod with JB, go check that out. He dropped some knowledge yes. on the 2024 class, especially the tight ends. Yeah, so, so you know, it's just for me, I think, I guess Mayer, honestly, for me, it feels like between what I've seen from him, the name value, and then what I think the cost is going to be versus what I think his athletic traits are going to be, I don't. I don't feel the rosiest about it, but it doesn't mean that I'm right on that. And I think that the, what this year, it's going to be you get out of the range of receivers you know and feel comfortable with, and you're like, fuck it, I'm going to go ahead and take my tight end of the class, whatever one that is. Um, and I feel like the cost is probably reasonable once you start getting to like the mid-third and later. Ultimately, like you said, though, some of these guys go second round and they get requisite draft capital and their combine looks good. Holy shit, who knows where some of them are going to go. So it'll be interesting to see buddy. what the tight end landscape I think, Mike, this is, I think, my takeaway from the 23 class right now, before we know landing spots, before we know anything, what we know today. My, my takeaway is this. The top six picks still very, very much have high flippability, high reason all summer to absolutely net crazy value for because of the four quarterbacks, Bijan and Jameer Gibbs. Um I think that the first round as a whole, some of these later picks, like I'm, I'm going to take shots. I'm probably not going to get out of some of those picks, but like it, it feels like the difference at 110 and 204, honestly, like the value and what people perceive as a pick number versus where they actually are value-wise of what I know today doesn't feel that different. So it'll be interesting to see how this class moves moving forward. I don't think it's going to be – this crazy insane class that we once thought I, I don't think that's the scenario but i also want you to think dynasty degenerates like don't let that if that starts happening overwhelm you too much i think this class still could be very good i think it could be a dynamite class it's just i don't think this crazy thought process that some people maybe have gotten themselves to believe on 23 is going to be the case where this just holy shit every position is just loaded with all pros and it's just going to be ridiculous I think temper expectations a little bit, but if people panic at all on 23, I think I'm buying still. 100%, man. I'm, uh, I'll be very excited to see where our ranks change coming after the combine uh, once we get some more information. The 2022 class, uh, a lot of people are out on heading into the combine. Then we had some things that happened at the combine that made people come back to it. Uh, you and I still missed massively on the quarterbacks, but – you know, you see Kenneth Walker, you see uh, uh, Brees Hall going out there and they run four three forties, and you're going, holy shit, <laughs> holy shit, maybe this class ain't so bad. Right. You see some of these wide receivers go out and run nice. Um, I will say this, right now I'm kind of with you. It's a little bit of a disappointment. Like it feels like a little bit of a letdown, but I do see a path where we get to the combine time and maybe we're all back in again. We're going like, holy shit, we're so loaded top to bottom. <laughs> Let's go, you know. Quentin Johnson went out there and measured in at 6'3", 215, and he ran a 4'340", plus his production profile. Oh, my gosh, wide receiver one. You're going to want him in the top five. And, you know, we get talk about these quarterbacks all going in the first round and all top 20 picks, and then Bijan and Gibbs go out and do their thing, and Michael Mayer comes out, and all of a sudden <laughs> that scenario you're talking about with me, he goes out and he runs well, and you're going like – all right, okay. <laughs> he, he might be a top 15 He's a pick first in the pick. NFL. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. Yeah, I, I, you know what, Mike? I, I'm, I'm with you. I think 
a lot of stuff's going to change all, all, all off season, all spring building into the summer. I, I think the most important thing and what we should have learned from 22, from a value perspective, even though the quarterbacks were really bad, the class was, became a gem, but because the quarterbacks only offered Kenny Pickett, which basically was a guy with leprosy as far as the community value, nobody yes. wanted him, right? <laughs> Mike, that killed the value of the class. I, I think the most important thing here is that Anthony Richardson and Will Levis especially show well at their combines, show well when they're throwing the ball, with their pro days, whatever they do, if they show well and then they get – first round draft capital in particular like top 20 picks for me I think this class is going to be just fine because the other stuff like the the running backs there's enough running backs that we're going to get guys that have great combines and get good draft capital it's going to happen right I, I think you you feel good enough about several receivers here so the back half especially with Mayer involved I think will fill in just fine but in order for that to happen, I think you really need to have the four quarterbacks that everybody wants and in particular Richardson and Levis because I think you need to have the upside conversation that's so special and so high that people actually are willing to take them in this top six range and even maybe ahead of Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud because then all of a sudden, right, the value of 104, 105, 106 is just going to be crazy. I feel you, buddy. Well, what a way to end it here. Sorry that we couldn't get Ray on. We will try to get him next week. Everything works out. (laughs) He's still got a voice. He will be on here. We already locked in the time, the date, so – We will have it, and it's going to be an incredible conversation, specifically around the quarterback position and what he's seeing. And he can come on and tell me I'm absolutely insane and stupid for a mistake that I just spit today. But that's why I love Ray, right? I wanted to get this out there before he comes in and pollutes my brain. (laughs) Pollutes my brain. This is 100% me being stupid. So we can all make fun of me later. But that's all I got, man. Adam, take us out of here. This went a lot longer than I thought. We got a second half of football to watch. Uh, The 49ers beat the shit out of the Seahawks. So I don't know if it's going to be that great or entertaining, but it is what it is. We we recorded the uh, this episode 40 chess during the first half of the game. Um, Next week, we're looking forward to getting Ray on. Sorry that we couldn't get him on this week, but we wanted to really bring you some value talk on the 23 class, the prospects, where they are. Um, Keep in mind, you know, this is what 40 does. We want to keep you a little ahead of your league mates. Everybody's thinking playoffs. The first game of the fantasy playoffs is playing right now. But here we are trying to talk to you about 23. We're going to get quarterbacks to you next week. And just remember, when your league mates are playing chess, play 40 chess. That's going to do it. We're out of here. See you same time, same place next week. Peace. Peace. Peace.